Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the Amazon Alexa. Um, for today's podcast and the first podcast of 2021, we're kindly joined by Alan Green. Alan, happy new year and thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Thank you, Jonathan. Happy New Year to you and Happy New Year to everyone listening. Uh, good to be back. Um, had a nice break. Indeed. And um, I mean, since we've been back so far this week, Alan, it's been uh, a very strong week in the market so far. Obviously, on, on Thursday, we've only had uh, three full trading sessions so far, but we've seen quite a significant rise in the FTSE 100. So, um, as usual on the, on the podcast, we have three three equities listed here in London that we're going to discuss in some detail. But we're going to look at the uh, the wider markets initially, and um, of course, I think the most appropriate place to, to start with this is, is looking at the the, the FTSE 100 and uh, the UK's leading index. Now, I don't know. I, I made the case last year that the that the UK equity market was somewhat, especially the FTSE 100, somewhat undervalued when we were around the the sort of 6,000 level when compared to US counterparts, which were continuously pushing higher and pushing to uh, new highs. We've seen a very strong rally since that. Indeed, um, we're trading now at just beneath 6,900. So that would represent uh, about a 15% increase from from that level around 6,000 when we started looking at at the relative value of the FTSE 100. I mean, I'd, I'd argue that, that a lot of the rally now has, has has taken place to some extent very sharply. Um, I mean, what would your view be, Alan, on that? Do you, do you still think there could be further to go in the broad FTSE 100? Or, or, or now do you think it should be a case that people look um, to be a little bit more stock specific as opposed to looking at the overall index? Yeah, it, it's it's been a great start to the year, Jonathan. And um, obviously, you know, this is still the first few days of, of the first week, so to speak. But, uh, but um, of course, I, I think one of the key, well, the, the two key factors here are the, um, with the US election out of the way, even though we had those dreadful scenes in in uh, in Washington last night and across America with the uh, the Trump rioters uh, still insisting that Trump had won. Um, uh, we've got the transition to power with Joe Biden now. And also, of course, the, the Democrats won the Florida state. So, um, there's a real uh, there's there's some certainty now on uh, policies going forward for the next five years from the US, and then of course the other big factor for the UK is that we got a, a Brexit deal away, which um, which is is great news. I mean, it's not the deal certainly that everyone wanted to see, but I think uh, given where we seem to be at one point. Um, uh, with the risk of exiting with a no deal, it's been a fairly true smooth transition, and I think a lot of investors and business people now are very bullish about the prospects for um, the UK um, as it stands. And then, of course, we've got COVID. We've got uh, the 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 big threat that's facing us, facing at the facing us at the moment with the increase in infections and the. Uh, the knock-on effect that's having into the pharmaceutical industry um, and, of course, the companies working with the vaccine and providing testing kits and so on. Um, but uh, regardless, um, we have this, as I've said before, we have uh, the, the COVID crisis has generated a, a massive bill for 
country the governments around the world um probably 30 trillion dollars and counting at the moment and uh, that's just as we stand at the moment this is going with the mutations of the virus this is going to continue so the the bull case for commodities and precious metals is right there you know there's absolutely no doubt about it um these are sources of value and as currencies become devalued through uh through the uh through the additional uh, amounts of money that will be pushed into the system to to help pay for the for, for the for, for the cost of covid um uh the investment uh, proposition for um commodities and precious metals becomes ever stronger and indeed but that's all being also being supported by a recovery uh, in the oil industry too as you said earlier we've seen uh, we've seen a, a move higher by bp and shell and the big oilers this week um whether that's sustainable longer term, I I don't know, but certainly I think we're seeing um, a recovery in that area on the back of uh, an anticipated recovery in leisure and travel, of course, um, and greater greater consumption of uh, oil and oil based products later in the year. So, obviously, t- touching on there on uh, on on oil and and some of the miners, I, th- I think this is a a subject I just want to touch on because they're actually the, the top performers thus far uh, this year, um, apart from of course Entame, which uh, received a, a takeover uh, approach from NGM. They're they're the FTSE one hundred's top riser, the the owner of Ladbrokes and and Coral. Yep. Uh, but apart from those, take those out of the mix. You're looking at, at Glencore, BP, Shell, Rio Tinto, BHP, Billiton, the top risers so far in 2021 on the FTSE one hundred. However, I'm, I'm looking here at the, at the charts and, and there's a big differentiation there between those companies that are focused primarily on, on minerals and, and metals, that being uh, Glencore, Rio Tinto, B, BHP, sorry, and uh, Anglo-American. And uh, um, a, a big difference between those and, and Royal Dutch Shell and BP, the two oil companies, in that the mineral companies have exceeded the highs that we saw in, uh, in in 2020 um, and really pushing on to, to to higher levels whereas BP and Shell have not yet got back up to to those levels um, I, I mean indeed well beneath uh, um, recent all-time highs you know looking at Shell trading about 14 um, having traded at 28 back in uh, 2018 do you think that this era of, of oil companies being um, staples of investor portfolios is now over, given that um, although we're seeing the prices in in oil increase, we're not seeing the share prices in BP and Shell um, jump back accordingly. Well, I think that's probably largely due to the way um, both BP and Shell have set their stalls out going forward. Um, uh, BP, of course, has, has made a very clear statement that uh, by 2030, 40% of its revenues will be from renewables. Um, so, of course, they're repositioning themselves as energy companies rather than, uh, than all companies. Um, and let's not forget, you know, both BP and Shell, they're huge, vast operations generating huge amounts of profit. And um, they have the resource to be able to invest into and develop new technologies, which is great. But I think the jury's out in terms of how successful uh, the market thinks they can be, and clearly, as we're moving into um, uh, new territory for these companies, I think, um, I think probably uh, 
both stocks um, and other, all stocks, um, you know, the other the other massive major oil companies listed on other indices will uh, become great trading vehicles. Um, but until they, until and when they reinstall their dividends to former levels, um, I don't think they'll be. The, 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 I don't think they're going to be cornerstone investments going forward as they once were. I think they've got to prove that the transition is working in terms of the impact on the bottom line, um, uh, uh, maintaining profit levels and, and all the rest of it, and also having the confidence to be able to reinstate the dividend to the previous levels, as I said just now. Um, uh, I think once once that happens, then then we'll see the prices push on or the share prices push back to 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 highs as you said with shell as high as 28 pounds a share indeed i think uh, that there is as you said the jury's out on, on these companies and they are going through a transitional period and uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out in the uh, in the coming years given the pressures now from um esg and uh, people looking for greener in investments so surely that's going to be a a topic that we revisit on the UK Investor Magazine podcast once more. But Alan, let's now move on to the three equities that we're going to be discussing this week. And I think we've been touching there on, on resource companies. So let's stay on that uh, theme uh, to start with and look at Blencow Resources. Now, this is one that we've discussed um, a couple of times on on the podcast uh, before. Um, looking at um, the chart here, it, it had a low um, back in uh, July of last year. It's up uh, roughly about 100% since then. So a very strong um, second half of 2020 uh, at Blencow. But what's been driving this movement, Alan? Well, of course, Jonathan, we, we've got, as I said just now, with the uh, transition to uh, new technologies and, um, and new energies, of course, um, in the uh, for the automotive industry in particular, and one of the reasons that the, the the share price of the oil majors have been hit is the move to EVs and uh, the state intention, or um, both by governments and automotive manufacturers, to uh, to tr- to transition across to fully electric vehicles by the year 2030. So, of course, what that is in turn doing is driving the demand for battery metals. Um, of course, we're hearing about these gigafactories that will be springing up uh, uh, around uh, uh, in, in, um, in locations that are strategically important to feed the, the automotive hubs, both in Europe and, and around the world. Um, but of course, they, they need the, the raw materials. And one of the major raw constituents in a, in the, the, uh, in a battery is, of course, graphite. Um, now, uh, on, on that basis, there are a number of uh, graphite explorers out there. The most recent one to come to market, uh, certainly in the UK, was Blencow Resources. Um, and this came to market in, uh, in April last year. Um, the, uh, the company uh, was, was formed after um, it raised two million at 6p a share um, for the reverse takeover to uh, own, um, to, to, to take over Consolidated African Resources which is the owner of the Oran Cross Graphite project in Uganda. Now, Oran Cross is quite unique. It, it's, a, it's, a vast, um, it's a vast area, um, estimated to be some 3 billion tonnes of graphite in the ground. And, of course, the, the graphite, um, graphite has, has different uses. Um, the uh, j- jumbo flake graphite, for instance, is, uh, is, uh, used, uh, is used in... Uh, 
foundries, steel foundries, fire retardants, uh, fire retardants, and so on. Um, smaller flakes are used for lithium iron anodes in batteries, um, and of course, uh, uh, th this is this is really where the focus is. But the the um, the Blancard resources have been working to uh, develop the uh, the Orange Cross uh, project, and um, they have been have been working through to develop the first or a maiden Jork resource estimate. Now, Jork, of course, is the that's the benchmark for mineral estimates. Um, so, if a company has an asset in the ground, once it has a Jork resource, um, then uh, it's that's the store of value. The the valuation of the company can be calculated around that. Now, Blinkow Resources um, is currently trading at just over eight p a share. Um, gives it a valuation of of nine million, um, and um, uh, the sampling uh, uh, at Orem Cross has has been completed and undertaken. Um, as the team have gone through and worked and developed the area, they've discovered. Um, They've discovered uh, uh, that they're across the Orange Cross uh, territory there are there, there are some there are some high value high value areas uh, that have been identified. So rather than take the take the whole area of the project as one, they've just focused on a, a small area to generate an initial maiden jolt resource to start with. But of course, what that implies is that the longevity of this project is is huge um if they if i, I think the the area that uh, they are they are uh, generating the maiden jolt resource for is represents about one percent of the actual total size of the orem cross project so of course once they've got that um that's uh, established and 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 um and completed then of course they can go on and develop Develop the project from there. But what's particularly attractive? Well, there are, there are a number of attractive factors about this. Um, the 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 uh, the costs of production from the the uh, project are, are very low because a lot of the the graphite content is on or very close to the surface. So literally, you could go there with a spade and dig the stuff out of the ground, put it in the back of the truck, and you know, and, and away you go. Um, of course, it means they have to. Then process on site, and uh, uh, once they've got the joint resource estimate, they can then go to the next stage. But um, we look at uh, similar companies that are, um, say, a year further down the road. You've got Walkabout Resources, which has a valuation of about uh, forty-five million. Sovereign Metals, um, which is about six to eight months ahead, uh, has a valuation of twenty-five million. Um, and all these companies have um, have uh, joint resource. Uh, uh, estimates in place for their assets. So um, w w the uh, Blenkow said that uh, the the Jork estimate will be provided. Um, uh, the 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 the, uh, the assay results are with the laboratories, um, and we will be getting a, a reading back from those very soon. And uh, along with that, uh, a maiden resource estimate. Once we get to that point. We're in the next phase of development for, development for the company, but um, Mike Rouson, the CEO, is uh, has been talking a lot over the past few months about about where Blencow is. It's a really exciting juncture, and I think there's a great opportunity at this level to get in on the shop floor. Um, it, this won't happen overnight, mark my words, but um, um, I think 2021 we're going to see significant. Uh, significant progress from the group as it moves on to the next stage of, of development. 
So, th- so this this is a, a company that is obviously, of course, still very much in in its development phase. I mean, what's it looking like in terms of um, sort, sort of funding there? Because there's obviously a concern sometimes for investors that um, companies that are in this stage, um, you know, are they going to have funds to to sort of carry this through until they start to see revenues coming coming in, or is it going to be a case that they may have to to raise further capital or, or bring in a partner um, at some point to get this to where it needs to be? Well, that that's usually what happens with with a project of this nature. That they'll they'll the um, and that's how a lot of the larger companies like Rio Tinto and Glencore work. You know, they will they they will buy into and, and farm in, as it were, to uh, projects that are being developed. Um, and of course, um, you know, with uh, with the EV industry sort of very much uh, um, at, at, at the beginning of the evolutionary curve uh, in terms of value. Um, a lot of the big mining companies are looking for assets like this. So, so, so the the Jork benchmark or the Jork resource uh, uh, estimate from Blencow is very much going to be a line in the sand. And um, I would expect that once that's uh, been established, then talks and will take place very soon after that too to take the next phase to seek a joint venture partner. And of course, we're hearing there's so many junior mining companies that they've reached that stage and. We had Greatland Gold last year, of course, with Newcrest Mining in Australia developing the Haviran prospects, um, and th- this is this is how this is how it works. But in terms of funding, the company um, raised uh, three hundred thousand um, uh, uh, last last uh, dis- uh, in December last year, about four weeks ago. So the company are fully funded, really, to complete all the work they need to complete uh, throughout next year. But of course, once they've got this estimate in place. Um, uh, if a farming partner comes in, then of course uh, the arrangement usually is that the farming partner provides the resource, the money to to uh, continue the development and, and move on from there. And that's when the mining come, the valuation of the company moves on to a different level. So yeah, it's at a very exciting juncture, and uh, expecting great things from them from them uh, this year. Indeed, and I'm sure it's one that we'll be discussing again in 2021. So. Alan, now moving on uh, to another company that we have discussed uh, um, previously. Um, it's Viserion, and they've had quite a, quite an interesting um, 2020. Of course, they got caught up in the big sell-off that we saw um, in March due to coronavirus, but they have rebounded since then and, and uh, um, remained relatively uh, range-bound. Um, they're of course uh, involved with with graphene, but what's the the latest updates from them? Okay, so uh, as you rightly say, Jonathan uh, Vasarian, VRS is the Epico. They're a graphene company. Um, yeah, range bound. Um, the the shares are traded as low as twenty one p on the year, as high as eighty six p. Currently trading at um, forty eight p. So, uh, and that's having recovered. In the past few weeks, uh, from from around the thirty five forty p mark, so uh, definitely making progress. Gives it a market cap of around ninety five million. And as you rightly say, they're a, a graphene company, but um, they have a number of strings to their bow in this regard. They have uh, a number of companies, two um, D technology, uh, which is a spin out from Manchester University, which uh, was effectively the birthplace of graphene. Um, and uh, this the uh, 2D technology uh, produces nanine, which is microalloy graphene, polygreen, and hexatine, which uh, is a nitride nanopart uh, nanopowder. Um, Cambridge graphene uh, produces graphene inks, um, 
and uh, graphene and two to two dimensional uh, materials and uh, technology and applications um, uh, conductive inks too so uh, uh, that's um, that's that's for using printing and and uh, electrical uh, circuit boards um, seroma which is the uh, which uses uh, the graphene technology for producing plastic products injection molding vacuum forming and so on um, has total carbide uh, which manufactures since Sintered tungsten carbide, um, uh, incorporating graphene technology, and that's for use in uh, a drill head, say in the oil and gas industry, or or, or and has defence and aerospace uh, applications. Um, and of course, um, um, the it has Viserian graphene in Texas, which is the U.S. arm for the company. And the shares were buoyed last year by news that uh, news that Rolls Royce were. Had um, were working uh, with um, with uh, uh, um, Viserion to to uh, looking at uh, using its technology across a range of aerospace applications for the group, and um, there's no doubt, no doubt, of course, that um, that uh, graphene is uh, is is going to play a very important role in um, in aerospace uh, going forward in the future. But a lot of papers have been uh, published in that regard. Um, and of course, then we had the the uh, development in um, in November that um, Ankara University in uh, in Turkey um, had undertaken a survey and uh, established that uh, hybrid graphene hybrid graphene um, uh, uh, doped with metal oxide nanoparticles um, was effective in in inhibiting viral infections, including um, SARS COVID two, um, and possessed antiviral qualities. So. Of course, this is a whole new dimension to um, the application of, of uh, nanotechnology and, 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 and graphene technology. Um, the the company then um, uh, announced the two million uh, product development agreement with uh, the Ministry of Defence, the Defence Science and Technology Labs, um, in uh, in November. So the company is progressing, and, and I think um, and I think uh, given the importance of this technology. Um, as often happens with uh, technology companies of this nature, there's a, a lot of work going on behind the scenes, and um, and I think that the, the sense is now that uh, a lot of the work has come into fruition, and we're going to see we're going to see a big push, um, a, 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 a series of developments from the group um, in the first half of 2021. Um, company announced today that uh, they appointed uh, Dr. Stephen Hodge as chief technology officer. He was the former head of research for for the company so um board developments uh, are, are always positive in that regard so yeah we i think um i think uh, uh there have been some question marks uh, raised by certain people and certain people um out there um uh, should i say certain financial commentators uh, regarding the funding position of um of Viserian. but uh, the the company is well funded it has uh, has a five million loan facility with Innovate UK, um, uh, which is the, of course, the UK government arm, and um, the company is funded to complete its developments going forward. And I expect um, to hear some very positive developments from the company in the first half of this year. Indeed, and I think this is an example of uh, of a UK company really pushing forward um, technological advancements. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens there in, in uh, the next year for, for them. I'm sure one will be discussing uh, again on, on the podcast. So 
Um, moving on, and the final stock that we're going to discuss uh, today is Destiny Farmer. And now, um, th- this is one that's very much in development stage. It's got a very strong pipeline. Um, it is indeed based very close to yourself down on the uh, on on the south coast. But th- this uh, focuses on a very specific area um, of, of medicine, and, and um, really, really one that hasn't been uh, in the limelight, of course, with COVID uh, in the the past 10 months, but one that is very important. Um, so you've got some more details on them, Alan. Yes, yeah, certainly, uh, Jonathan. Uh, uh, Destiny is it's, it's a fascinating company. And yes, you're right. They're, they're based at the Sussex Innovation Centre, where we're based too. And um, I've, uh, I've, the, I've, I've sort of, you know, spending my time in the centre, uh, I've often bumped into people from there. And of course, Dr. Will Love, um, uh, uh, Bill Love, who's the the founder, is is often to be seen around uh, around the Innovation Centre. But nonetheless, the company um, have uh, focused on fighting uh, hospital superbugs. And of course, we've uh, we have we've heard um, a lot over the past few years about um, the MRSA superbug and C. difficile, which are infections that get into hospitals. And of course. Um, uh, pose a threat to uh, uh, patients in surgery or patients uh, undergoing surgery, and this is a constant battle that's being faced. But of course, with the uh, with hospitals now working flat out treating COVID patients um, as well as undertaking their normal work, this has come even more to the fore. So, um, uh, D- Destiny started out developing. Um, a developing um, XF73, which is a light-activated antibacterial series of drugs uh, to to combat um, superbugs uh, like MRSA, um, developed uh, at the UK Innovation Centre, and um, it's gone through, as all uh, pharmaceutical and and uh, biotechnology companies do, it's gone through a series of um, clinical trials to establish the efficacy of the drugs and also you know, most importantly, to test for side effects and so on. Um, so the XF73 is has been developed um, to be applied via nasal gel, and um, the, uh, the 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 tests that have been undertaken to date have proved hugely successful. Um, and uh, and also, uh, most importantly, they've established that the uh, um, once the once these are in the market, uh, the cost of production. The rate of production, uh, uh, it, it, the, the costs are very low, and also the their ability to um, to to produce uh, at volume is, is very good as well. So throughout the latter part of 2020, the company announced um, that it was moving towards the phase two B trial, a, a, a crucial point of development. Um, um, but of course, it was uh, in order to complete the trial, it has to recruit a certain number number of patients. September 17th, we heard that the company were on track to uh, to complete uh, patient recruitment, and um, and indeed um, uh, the the uh, um, a few days ago we heard from Destiny Pharma that uh, the phase two B trial recruitment process had been completed. Um, the company also um, uh, Neil Clark has uh, and 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 the team have basically uh, worked. Um, to, to, uh, to, to provide milestones for investors going forward um, in terms of the results from the trial. And um, 
uh, given that the uh, recruitment's been completed on time, um, it, it is expected that um, the, with 125 patients that they've now recruited, um, we sh- will be seeing results from the phase 2B trial uh, by the end of the first quarter. And of course, once we get to that point, then um, given that uh, the safety measures, given that uh, the uh, development of the drug has tick boxes every step of the way, it's 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 going to be a pivotal point for the company. And, you know, if we look at uh, the valuation of Destiny Farm, I mean, the shares are now trading at 93p, um, bin size £1.14 on the year, as low as 30p, giving it market cap about 55 million, which um, if the company were listed uh, in the USA um, on the NASDAQ, for instance, we probably have a market cap capitalization of about 200 million. Um, so certainly, in my view, lots of scope for um, lots of scope for, for growth. And uh, once we get the news of that trial, it's going to be um, a pivotal point for the group. In addition to that, um, the company um, on the 9th of November announced it a raise um, just over 11 million um, at 65p a share, um, and it acquired the global rights for NTCDM3, which uh, is a drug that's been developed um, uh, and it's now at phase three trial for, for phase three trial status, um, and it's been developed to prevent the recurrence of um, C. difficile, which is the the other big hospital superbug uh, I mentioned. So, of course, as a strategic fit for uh, Destiny Pharma, it dovetails in very well with XF73. Um, and uh, you know, at, currently, um, uh, the, the company said uh, when it raised the money that uh, C. difficile was the leading cause of hospital-acquired infections in the USA, you know, something like half a million cases every year. So, of course, it extends the the um, the uh, XF73 program, and along with this, it's now Destiny has become a very a very rounded group in terms of its uh, of its uh, progress in providing a complete suite of solutions to fight hospital superbugs. Then finally, we have, of course, the um, the COVID uh, uh, dimension to the, the Destiny offering. Um, in September, going back to September again, it announced a joint venture with Sporgen um, to develop COVID-19 immunity. And it, it, it's a it's a development where the company or, or where the where the Sporgen uh, um, uh, uh, process will develop uh, immunity using the innate human um, human system. So so rather than producing a, a, a drug, as it were, it uses the innate human immune system. And again, using the, na- the nasal um, application to, uh, to, to create this immunity. Um, it also received, uh, or the, uh, the, the joint venture group, Spore Gene and uh, Destiny Pharma, also received an 800,000 uh, grant from Innovate UK to complete the trial. Um, and, you know, th- again, this is a company that's on the cusp of great things. Um, um, the Innovate, uh, the, the, uh, the uh, Spore Gene joint venture will, um, the, the, the trials are expected to take place within 18 months, so probably um, early 2022 before those trials commence. But of course, um, the, the near-term focus is very much the the uh, XF73 phase three or phase two B trial completing, um, and um, the the company of course is is uh, now fully funded. It's just appointed uh, a Dr. Stephanie Buick, um, who uh, as chief business officer. Stephanie Buick um, worked for 
uh, Summit Therapeutics, NASDAQ uh, listed company. So, you know, all of the signs are that uh, given these developments, uh, I think uh, Destiny is in for um, a year where uh, once we, uh, uh, provided we get good news from the phase 2B trial, um, I think we're going to see um, we're going to see a complete re-rating, both in terms of the company and, of course, its valuation on the market. So, Adam, with this company, there's, of course, with pharmaceutical companies that are in the development stage, a number of options uh, once, you know, um, they do get a successful trial. Do, do, you, do you think this is, um, or do you think that the best Destiny's model is going to be taking these uh, drugs, if they are successful, through to uh, the production side of things and looking for an agreement there? Or do you think they'll be looking to sort of sell... Um, sell them off and, and, and take the capital in that way and return it to investors? What do you think the sort of um, the, the plan would be going forward for them? Well, again, as, as, with, as we, uh, we, we discussed just now with the mining companies, with, with uh, Blencow Resources, you know, you get to a phase where an asset's developed to a point and then you either, if you're confident, you can go it alone and, uh, and in, grow the value uh, with the resources you've got yourself. You might decide to progress down that route or you decide to get one of the big boys in to, to help you out. So um, Destiny, of course, you know, based on the results of the Phase 2B trial, and there'll be, mark my words, a lot of people, a lot of the big pharma companies will be looking at this. Um, I would imagine at that point, then there'll be a lot of offers on the table to uh, to work with some of the bigger groups, AstraZeneca and Pfizer and, and whoever else, to... Uh, to 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 develop and, and and take it to to the next phase and put it into production. That they'll need a distribution partner, of course. Um, but uh, bear in mind that um, the company has research projects underway with many of the universities: uh, Cardiff, Sheffield, Southampton, Aston University. Uh, there are there are research projects taking place um, with with that couple with um, uh, Oxford University too. Um, uh, Oxford University uh, provided or published a review last year that um, fully supported the unique target profile of XS73 and its uh, potential to deal with um, with, uh, with, uh, with with hospital superbugs. So, you know, I think um, uh, what, what, what choice would uh, Destiny make? What choice would the board make? I don't know. But um, I think they're working in an area that's increasingly important um, and has come into focus during the COVID crisis. So um, I imagine there will be some very good offers on the table um, that uh, they will probably want to take up. That's my view, but hey, what do I know? <laughs> Thank you very much, Alan. So that uh, that company there, just to recap the companies we discussed today, um, was Destiny Pharma, which trades under the ticker of DEST. Um, we also discussed Blencow Resources, which trades under the ticker of BRES. And of course, the graphene company Viserion, that trades under the ticker of VRS. Alan, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Thanks, Jonathan. Good to be back. And once again, Happy New Year to all. Indeed. Happy Happy New Year to, to all our readers. And just before we go, I want to draw um, you to an article that we're going to put into the notes of this um, podcast about a company called Trident Royalties that did present at one of our virtual investor conferences earlier on, uh, well, back, sorry, back in back in December, and um, with the story of rising metal 
Um, rising metal prices it is an interesting business model if you're looking for exposure to uh, the increase is in mineral prices around the globe. So do check that out. Thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember, all investment involves risk. 